0: Hey did anybody have who 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 had God show them something or speak something during our worship time today? Yeah. Saw saw a few things. I feel I feel like the Lord was just releasing stuff uh to all kinds of people. Um and uh woo thank you Jesus. Well, we're going to go ahead and look at this Palm Sunday account one more time this morning. So, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter twenty-one, we may have to close and worship again, though. I don't know. I had, the, I had the dual, I had the dual thing going on there. You know, how the, wor- the worship leader—they never want to stop worshiping, right? But then the pastor says, Well, I do want to preach though. <laughs> so I had a little conversation going on with myself. I won. <laughs> That's the great thing about talking to yourself. If you have an argument, you can always win. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Oh, thank you Jesus. Oh, it, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh so Matthew 21, we've read the, part of this account earlier, but I, we're going to read a little bit of the extension here and I'm really uh excited cuz uh you know last week my wife did a great job as I mentioned earlier of just uh, talking about uh praise and and worship as a weapon and uh she went through what was it? Uh, the battle in exodus 17 where uh moses is holding up his hands and joshua wins the battle when uh the hands are extended uh you know the picture of jesus when his hands are up we have the victory and uh Never heard that preached by anybody on that passage, by the way. Never, ever heard that in my life. I've been in church for 40, almost 43 years now. Uh, so that was an awesome revelation. Uh, and then went to the story of Jehoshaphat. Uh, I love Jehoshaphat, the story of Jehoshaphat, because when I was growing up, there's a song by Don Francisco. Uh, for those of you old people in here, uh, that you you were old when you were listening to it, too, possibly, but um, like my age... Um, <clears throat> And he had a song about Jehoshaphat, so I never forgot the story of Jehoshaphat. Growing up as a kid, I knew the story because of that song. Uh, Jehoshaphat, king of Jerusalem, a long, long time ago. When the children of Judah all worshiped the Lord from the high on down to the low. We'll stop there. So, but I can sing the whole thing at a different time for you in a private setting if you need to. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's where they send the singers out first. And then, uh, the victory is won for them as they, as they worship. And then we went to Acts 16, right? Or 17? I was, I was just sitting in the pew last week, so I don't know. <laughs> so, where Paul and Silas are put in prison. I believe it's 16. Uh, and it says they begin to worship the Lord uh, in the prison at midnight. And it says the prison doors were opened. And not only were their doors open, but everybody's doors were open. And as she was preaching, I had this little revelation, which I'm going to share with you since I have an opportunity now. It came up. So we're just going to go with it right now is this. It's interesting. Here's the deal. The the breakthrough that was happening in that prison with Paul and Silas was not about them getting out of prison. It was about the jailer and his family getting into heaven. So the breakthrough had nothing to do with all the prisoners and everybody's prison doors. It had to do with the God, the jailer, who was taking care of the prisoners. And as they worshipped, the purposes of God and the power of God were released in such a way where the jailer and his whole family were brought into the kingdom that night. I mean, it says that very night. It doesn't say, hey, let's go back to bed. And then come back in the morning and have breakfast. It says, man, they all went, come to my house tonight and tell my whole household. Uh, you know, First of all, because when you're the jailer, you can't take the prisoners out normally, okay? So you do it at midnight when nobody's watching, right? <laughs> so I don't know how all that played out. It doesn't give us all the details of how that happened. But here's the deal. The breakthrough was salvation. What if my worship... Releases someone else to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not about me getting free. We're all, sometimes, like John said, I love that word. You have a great, great word for our, our uh, whatever that was offering. <laughs> that was a great exhortation where, you know what? Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves and we sometimes even tailor our whole worship service, hey, get something from God. And we, you know, we, we've got it a little bit turned around, especially in the Western world where it's like we come to church for us to get something. It's like, hey, that's not quite it. We come and gather together to line ourselves up with the King of Kings to where we're in alignment with what he is doing. In that moment, what the King of Kings was doing was Paul and Silas needed to be beat and put in prison. Sometimes when you're going through something that's really hurtful and challenging what if it's the will of god to get you in a place to where you begin to worship and your worship in response to god releases salvation in somebody else where they're like man if you can praise right here your god must be real what do you have that i don't have you have something different that's not the message but it's a good one so our phrase is not always about our breakthrough. I mean, it can be our breakthrough. I'm not saying God, God gets us in on the, on the, on the goods as well. But the, the end game, the end result is not, hey, so you're, you have a great life. That's not the end result. The end result, if you look at the end of the Bible, what's the end result? Everybody's worshiping Jesus. Everybody's going, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Unto the King be glory and honor forever and ever and ever. That's the end game. That's the end result. That's that's the purpose. Is to get all the worshipers drawn into the to the end time where we are doing what we were created to do, where creation is responding as it was created to respond. And so on Palm Sunday. Over 2,000 years ago, or around 2,000 years ago, heaven came down to earth. There was a little bit of heaven that came to earth that day because they entered into the purpose and the, the prophetic promise of that moment as Jesus entered the city. So it says this, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us as we read the word. Verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. See, there's things going on all the time that have nothing to do with, it's, it all has to do with, hey, God said this and he's carrying out his purpose. So this is what God said. Hey, this is going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. So this is a quote from Zechariah 9, chapter 9. Say to daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the full of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. That was a, a symbol symbolism of just welcoming a king. So make no mistake that they the people who were there knew what they were saying. It, there was no confusion about who they thought Jesus was. It wasn't like, "Hey, this is a cool worship service. We're just gonna, hey, I like that guy dancing over there. He's, I'm gonna dance with him too." You know, uh, it it was. This was like, no, this is the King. When they were laying down their own clothes, humbling themselves before the King to say, "Hey, walk walk all over us," you know, walk on it. You're you're the one above us. And so then the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna to the son of David. There's another clue that they knew who Jesus was when they said son of David. That was the word for the Messiah right there. They were saying you are the one. Now they may have misunderstood what Jesus was going to do. They may have thought he was going to establish his kingdom on earth at that moment and set them free from the Romans or do all this stuff. I mean, Doesn't that happen with us sometimes where we think God's going to do? Hey, God, you're working in this area. He's like, I'm doing this over here. You know, and you're like, you're going to do this right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. And he's like, I'm over here. And you're like, yep, hallelujah. God's going to do this. And then he does this. And you're like, God, what what happened? (laughs) I sang the right song. I sang the hallelujah song today. God, you told me to. (laughs) I sang Hosanna on Palm Sunday. So there but there it's just a it's a spontaneous response. Here's the deal, worship is just is it's a response. You're just responding to God. You're you're acting, you're you're moving, you're doing something. Worship is never passive. Worship is never something that uh that you can't that you disengage from and you can do it. You have to be engaged with your heart and with your mind, with your emotions. What does it say worship the Lord with all my Heart, mind, soul, and strength. So in other words, it means everything about me is engaged. When I am worshiping God, I am engaging all of myself. Again, this is not just singing. This is not just church ties. This is engaging all of who I am in giving glory to the king. And so they were engaging everything. They're going crazy. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. You know, Hosh Hosanna or Hoshanna in, in uh, what Aramaic uh, or Hebrew said, you know, meant save us like, oh, God, save. Oh, God, save. So they were they were praising him for salvation. They probably thought it was earthly salvation or at least a good group of them did. But they were praising him for the right thing because Jesus was coming into the city to bring salvation. He was coming into the city as the son of David. And so when Jesus entered Jerusalem, verse 10, it says, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 12. So we're going to keep going here. Normally, that's where that's that's where that's where Palm Sunday stops. This is now we're now on Monday. OK, everybody's went to bed. I had a great, great worship service on Sunday, and now it's Monday morning, okay? And so Jesus entered the temple courts, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and said, It is written, he said to them, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers or a den of thieves. So Jesus comes in, the first thing he does after he's entered Jerusalem is he cleanses the temple. He's done this earlier. He did this early on in his ministry and he does it again. I mean, he thrashes the temple. I mean, this is, this is like violent. He's flipping over tables. I mean, they built tables solidly back then. We're not talking little plastic lifetime tables. We're talking solid wood tables. Uh, you know, he's just, Thrashing and throwing tables around. He, one translation says he, he maybe even got out a whip and starts whipping people out of there. I mean, this is a different side of Jesus here. The, the Jesus with the whip and he's coming at humans. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> but it was so serious. It was so serious he's saying, no, no, this is not what this is meant to be. And so, uh, when Jesus calls, you answer. So, um, In the temple, you know, the temple, who's the temple now? We're the temple. And so Jesus sometimes has to come in, what? And cleanse our temple. He has to flip some things over and say, this doesn't belong in your life. I've got to get rid of this. This is not who you were created to be. And so he flips the tables over. He'll turn the tables on you. And... That's what he's doing here in the physical temple, and he makes a declaration. Again, he's quoting the, the prophetic scriptures, Jeremiah 7 You're making it a den of robbers, uh, house of prayer from Isaiah. Uh, the, then it says this. This is very interesting. This is the part that really caught my attention, and I hadn't remembered reading this part. I know I have before. It says, verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. Right in the middle of all this crazy stuff going on. You've had the triumphal entry. You've had this. And then it says, I mean, he clears the temple. And, you know, the blind and the lame, they wouldn't have been allowed in the temple. They they weren't, they weren't, uh, they were... Unclean. I mean, there's something wrong with them. They were defective, whatever you want to say. Like, hey, you're you're not coming in to worship. And it says Jesus clears out the temple and the blind and lame come in. And then he releases his healing power one more time before he goes to the cross. Then it says, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did... And, and look at this. And the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were indignant. I'd never seen, I'd definitely never seen this verse before. Some people were still singing. They didn't stop. It says the children were still running through and they're shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. You're like, hey, that was yesterday. Today is Monday. You know, that Palm Sunday was yesterday, bro. <laughs> no, it says they're still going. I mean, I, they probably went to sleep. I get it. They probably weren't going all night, but they're they're just continuous. The praise just erupts again. It's like Jesus shows up, and the praise erupts again. Hosanna to the Son of David! And so again, the Pharisees are getting all bent out of shape once again. Here's the deal: when you, when you worship God with passion. Religious people will get upset. And here's the deal. The religious spirit that still tries to control you will stop you from worshiping God. It will stop you from stepping out and doing something that you're uncomfortable with. I don't know what that is. For some people, just singing might be uncomfortable. That might be your thing to break through in. I don't know. For others, it can be... a a myriad of things, but the religious spirit will always stand in your ear or through your ear from someone else and say, you know, that's, we just need to calm that down. We need to, we need to hold back a little. That's too much. You're being, you're being selfish. You're drawing attention to yourself. And you have to sometimes just say, uh, what Jesus said, in this account, he says, do you hear what the children are saying? They asked him. And yes, yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. So he again quotes the the Old Testament. That's Psalm 8 and verse 2. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he, where he spent the night. So anyways, he says, hey, look, they're going to praise. The other translation, of course, uh, in Luke, the other account talks about Jesus saying, hey, guess what? If they stop, the rocks are going to cry out. The point Jesus is making is this. Worship is going to happen for me. Worship is going to happen for me. All creation is caught up in its prophetic destiny in worshiping Jesus, the Lamb of God, and the King of Kings. And in that moment, they were caught up in it. They were caught up in what God was doing in that moment so much. They were caught up in who Jesus is in that moment that they were just, they're just worshiping. They're like these children. It says, children, were doing this. They were, they were caught up with the spirit of God and they were moved to worship. You know, it's fascinating that, um, you know, the whole, the main account for, uh, Palm Sunday is a a prophecy from the book of Zechariah. And I don't know if you've all read Zechariah recently, you're like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. (laughs) It is. It's the second to last book in the Old Testament, right before Malachi, I mean Malachi, okay? So there's Malachi, there's Matthew. If you're in Matthew right now, you go backwards to Malachi, and then Zech, not Zach, Zechariah. Uh, there's a different one that's named Zechariah later, but he's not, doesn't have a Bible book. So here's the thing about Zechariah, which I didn't know um, until I was doing some study. Zechariah has the most prophetic... Uh, scriptures about Jesus the Messiah per chapter in the Bible. So in other words, percentage-wise, compared to the number of chapters it has, it has the most references to Jesus, his life as the Messiah, his death, his resurrection – Palm Sunday, there's all kinds of stuff there's the betrayal of Judas, hey that's in Zechariah, the 30 pieces of silver deal, uh, there's the riding on the donkey, there's a, a fountain of forgiveness opening up there's also the fountain that, there's also the future kingdom of God the future kingdom established by the Messiah, that's all through the book of Zechariah there are so many references to Jesus throughout Zechariah there's a picture of the guy named Joshua as the high priest, you know, standing as one, as a representative you know Joshua is basically the same name as Jesus Yeshua and so there's 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 so many pictures of Jesus as the Messiah so man it's got some interesting stuff in it but man Zechariah is just full of Jesus Jesus in the Old Testament Some things that are happening around our lives have been spoken of before by the Lord. Now here's the deal, just to establish this. When we get prophetic words now, it's not like the Bible. We're not, we're not rewriting the Bible. We're not adding to the Bible. Uh, we're not infallible. Uh, we're not a perfect revelation from God. We're not any of those things. Uh, did you notice in the New Testament when they start having the prophets come? Sometimes they miss and they don't kill them because, because everything changed with the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's now the prophet isn't the one person speaking for for God. Now everybody hears God and the prophetic confirms what God is already doing in your life. Or sometimes helps you propel yourself into it as you grab hold of the truth of God. But it has to be confirmed because you're supposed to hear God. And so there is, I think it's just amazing that how the prophetic and worship go together sometimes. You know, you want to be drawn into worship sometimes? Go back to some of the words that God has spoken into your life. Go back to the time where, you know, I know I was hearing God and then somebody else spoke the same thing to me and then somebody else that was totally different. They said a similar thing to me and they encouraged me in this. And guess what? In that moment, worship will be released. You're going to begin to see you'll you'll have a fresh revelation. God, you are who you say you are. You are, you are the son of David, Jesus. You You are the Messiah. You are the Lord of Lords. You are you are the king of kings. And so don't discount what God is putting in your heart, what he is speaking to you, and expect him to continue to declare over your life things that will come to pass. I mean, does anybody have some things that you're still waiting on? Yeah, there's still some things. Hey, let's not give up on those things. I mean, if God wants to get rid of it, fine. If he wants to come and say, no, that was pizza, That's fine. We have to be open to that. But we have to not let go and say, just because I don't see something happening the way I want it to happen or in the time I want it to happen, where I don't just go, well, that probably wasn't God. Because God will bring his word to pass. God will bring his word to pass. He will do what he said he will do. And we have to hold on to the promises of God, to the word of God, to what he has spoken to us that lines up with the word of God, that has been confirmed by the spirit of God, the spirit of God, who is the spirit of truth, who leads us into all truth, who confirms with us and communicates with us and communes with us about what God is doing right now and in the future. You know, we may not be a Zechariah. But we can hear from God. He had a different calling. He was in a different time. He was in a different era. But man, that guy had some stuff. He had some crazy stuff going on. He had some encounters with the living God. And he wrote it down. And he was obedient and did what he said. And he prepared the way for Jesus to come. He spoke of Jesus so many times. And here's the thing. Ultimately, my life, its direction, its arrow that it's pointing towards is pointing to Jesus. If the arrow goes anywhere else for my life, then that's not ultimately God's prophetic calling on my life. If Jesus doesn't get glorified at the end, it's not God. It's not him. It doesn't matter if there's good things happening, it doesn't matter if, if there's, there's miracles happening. You know, I mean, it makes me think of that scripture where there's these people that show up at the end. It's what the scariest scripture in the Bible, right? Where these guys show up and they say, God, we did all these miracles for you. We prophesied. We cast out demons. We healed the sick. And he says, I don't know you. I don't know you. What's the what's the connotation behind it is basically it was, hey, Jesus says, hey, what they did was lawlessness. What you did was unauthorized. In other words, you were operating on your own. You weren't lined up with my will and my kingdom and my desires and what I'm doing. And so Palm Sunday calls us to line up. With God's prophetic purpose on the earth. You know Paul and Silas. If it was just about them getting set free from prison. God could have set them free any number of ways. But God didn't want them out of the prison. He wanted them in the prison. Because they were the only way. That the jailer was going to fulfill His prophetic calling on his life to worship Jesus. You know, God has sent out a call to all the earth. He wants everybody. He wants everybody. He wants everybody. He wants every single person. To come in. And sometimes I need to take the palm branch of my life and lay it down and let the king walk over that and make his entrance for his purpose, for his kingdom, for his glory, for what he's doing. And here's the deal. The amazing thing is when Jesus does what he's called to do. We get all kinds of good stuff. All kinds of people get blessed. I'm not saying we don't get the blessing. I'm not saying we don't get all kinds of good stuff, that God has good plans for us. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to make sure the priority is in the right place, that Jesus being glorified is number one, and God has a wonderful plan for my life is number two. (laughs) Because the wonderful plan for my life has to line up with number one, or it's no longer a wonderful plan for my life. It's only my plan for my life, and it can't be that wonderful. That was like six messages, I think, so... (laughs) Cause here's where we're going. I know I mentioned this earlier. Let's let's turn to the book of Revelation. The Book of Revelation. Chapter four. So chapter four, everybody in Revelation four? So here, here's what, here's what heaven looks like. Here's, here's the, the worship end game, so to speak. This is, this is the end game for, for all of creation, for, for all the universe, for everything that was created, everything that was created, everything that will be created. This is, this is the end game. It says, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place. After this, this is John, John's experience with the Lord. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven. So we know he's in, he says I was in the spirit. So that's a clue, that language right there. He's, he's telling you something. In other words, I wasn't, you know, this wasn't just something that was really happening on earth. I was in the spiritual realm. In other words, I was in heaven itself. I was in the supernatural realm. And before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders and they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder in front of the throne. Seven lamps were blazing. These, this is these are the seven spirits of the sevenfold spirit of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal And John here, you can tell he's having a hard time describing what he's saying. He's like, it's like this. It's kind of like this. I mean, it's like this is too much to describe, but I'm trying to put this into words. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. Notice it doesn't say it was a lion. There's always the word like. In other words, this is as close as I can get. First one was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face kind of like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is And is to come and whenever the living creatures give glory honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne and they say you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. So such an amazing encounter. It goes on in chapter five. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Tell me the Bible's not exciting. Come on now. Then one of the elders said, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. Oh, Jesus has won the victory. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. That's killed for you young people, okay? The word slain, that's killed. Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which again are representative of the sevenfold spirits, or the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Notice it's the right hand the place of authority, that's that's what that represents. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders again fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased For God, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's God's purpose right there. That's what it's all about. That's what He's going for on the earth. When we say, let heaven come to earth... He wants heaven to come to earth. Because this is the best place to be. This is the best state of being to be in. Is in worship, in giving glory, in celebrating the triumph of the Lamb of God who overcame every. Every enemy who overcame the grave, who overcame sin, who overcame Satan, who overcame all the devils, all the demons, all the, all sickness and disease, He overcame it all. He triumphed over them and purchased us by His blood and He wants to bring in everybody. It's the gospel. It's the good news and it's pointing to an end game of worship of Jesus forever and ever. And we get to join in right now a little bit. We get to have glimpses of it here. We have glimpses of it sometimes personally. Sometimes we have glimpses of it corporately. But we get to join in in the worship song that is going on and propelling us into all eternity with him. I don't know what to do now. So (laughs) I think we just close with the, the hallelujah song again. So worship team, come on up. And just as we as we close by just celebrating one more time on this Palm Sunday. Some of you need to sing not for your own breakthrough, but for somebody else's breakthrough. Some of us need to sing. Oh, a little louder. Some of us need to sing and see salvation released in our families. Some of us have people that are cooped up in prison next door to us. And our worship might open their prison doors. It's not just about this moment, but it is about this moment, too. It's about what God is doing right now. God's always in the business of today. He always is saying today is the day. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's not quite here yet, but today is the day. God's always in the now. He's always the present. He's the great I am. So he's always showing up. And so... Lord, as we close today in celebration and honoring you, we are thanking you for releasing the breakthroughs of heaven that will draw everybody, Lord, our neighbors, our family members, Lord, people we haven't met yet, the people in this city, to worship Jesus. Thank you for allowing our eyes to come off of ourselves and to get on the lamb Every eye was on the Lamb in Revelation 4 and 5. Every eye was on the throne, the God the Father on the throne. We were, Our eyes were all on God himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you, Lord.